Are you ready to have an open and honest discussion about sex and spiritual wellness without secrets, censorship, or barriers? This is Unbuckled with your host, Christy Ann Bella. In this program, there are no topics that are off the table, from religion to health, feelings to sexuality. Get ready to hear from some incredible people. And now, here's Christy Ann Bella. Hello, I am Christiane Bella, and you are listening to Unbuckled, where we are going to journey through revealing sex and spiritual wellness. Our topic today is lying. And so um, I was thinking about this, and I thought about, like, for anyone who's seen it, there's a fantastically hilarious movie called The Invention of Lying. Um, and it got me thinking about like, well, how did I learn how to lie? And I realized my grandmother taught me how to lie. Um, so I was actually raised Catholic. And so lying was like, you know, one of those original things. I remember being told like, we don't lie. It's a sin. And um, I was probably about five-ish years old. And I'm visiting my family in California. And, um, at the time I didn't realize this, I just knew I had to go with my grandma to pick up my aunt, um, from the police station. And I didn't know why. And I was just, you know, being a kid, I was like, oh, cool. We're going to the police station. Like, and, um, and they kept just saying like, don't tell your grandfather or anyone where we've been that we had to go get your aunt from the police station. Like this is a secret, right? So they, they kept emphasizing that this is a secret, not that we were lying, but this was a secret. And I really didn't understand the concept. You know, I was like, okay, you know, so it's a secret. Um, but that was also something I was told like was bad, right? Like the only people who asked you to keep secrets were bad people who were doing things to you that they weren't supposed to be doing. So secrets also were something, you know, that wasn't supposed to be happening. So it was all very shady and, and very strange. And I really didn't know how to process it. And um, I come to find out later, we, we were picking my aunt up because she had gotten like a, a DUI or something. Um, but, you know, being a five-year-old kid, when, when my grandfather later asked like, well, what did you do today? I was like, I got to see cops at the police station. <laughs> and, you know, he was livid then. Well, like, why were you at the police station? And I was like, oh, we had to pick auntie up from the police station. Um, and so my family was furious with me. Um, because I, you know, I didn't keep the secret I, I told. And of course, you know, my grandfather was really upset, like why, you know, that his daughter had gotten a DUI and like, and had to be picked up from the police station. Um, but they were, it, it amazed me how they were upset with me because I, according to them, made my grandfather mad by telling him what happened. And I'm like, I was just so baffled. I'm like, but you know, we're supposed to tell the truth. I'm, I'm not supposed to lie. And people who ask me to keep secrets are bad people. Then, you know, what's going on here? Um, and I never got any explanation. I, I, I actually, I think I got punished. Um, I want to say, cause they had a swimming pool. I think I was like, I wasn't allowed to swim that day or something. So I actually got penalized for not keeping the secret, um, or essentially like being in cahoots with the lie, the withholding of the truth. And this, this really, you know, I, I've been like dissecting this because currently, um, so for those of you who've been following my podcast, you know, the last episode of our last season, 
I um, fully disclosed my own personal history of abuse and trauma and um, really talked about generational curses and, and in the process of that um, shared, you know, a lot about my, my family to which my family was very upset with me. Um, And pretty much all of them have opted to not speak to me. So it's been like six months now. Um, My family has, you know, they're, they're Sicilian. (laughs) I feel like that says it all right. You, you don't take sides against the family. They, they have that like crazy old uh, vendetta style. So, so in their world, you know, like, like you're dead to me is, is kind of like their, their thing right now. Cause I, how dare I, you know, speak out against, uh, against the family and be truthful and honest about, (laughs) about our lives and what has happened. Um, and so I realized I was like, oh, they must be lying to my grandmother, you know, like you could only say for so long, you know, whatever I'm, I'm busy or like, I haven't, you know, but it's like, I haven't been around for Christmas for mother's day. I'm like, they've had to start lying to her and like telling her whatever cockamamie stories they're making up um, as to why I'm not around because they have this idea of protecting one another with these secrecies and lies, this idea that, you know, the, the transparent truth is somehow too upsetting or disturbing, or, you know, people can't handle it. And so it's better to withhold and deceive, um, and keep these secrets, um, in order to somehow keep the family peace, keep the family harmony, which of course always backfires. Um, I mean, it just, it doesn't work. You know, if you're withholding, even if you're not an energetically savvy person and, and not, you know, an empath, there's still a feeling. I mean, I think we all, even the most, you know, non-in-tune woke person amongst us still feels something is weird when like, you can tell, you can definitely tell, you know, if someone is like not being really real with you. Um, and so I just really think it's interesting. I'm like, wow. So she actually, taught all of us to lie, to keep the peace. And now they're, they're doing it to her. Like they're, they're actually engaging in this practice with her that she taught them how to do in order to try to keep her happy or calm or, or whatever, not upset her. Um, and so, you know, but that is the upsetting thing. The upsetting thing is when we feel betrayed or we feel like, there's something wrong and going on and we can't quite put our finger on it, but we know it's off. Um, and that is actually what causes most of our relationship problems and glitches. And so, you know, it's an interesting idea. Like what is the difference between a secret and a lie? I mean, I personally don't really think there is one. I think there's confidentiality, right? Like my work in therapy, you know, there's confidentiality unless someone is doing harm potentially to themselves, um, or to, you know, somebody else it's confidential, right? There's, you know, it is a space in which is a safe space. We've created a container. There's an agreement, like what is said here stays here. Um, but it's this idea of secrecy to me is essentially lying. You know, it's, it's like passive aggressive lying. It's this idea that we're going to withhold something, um, in order to, protect ourselves and, or seemingly somebody else, but what are we actually protecting anyone from? Um, cause what essentially happens and what I see, you know, most often 
when I work with, uh, especially with couples dealing with infidelity is, you know, it's like, it starts out small. It's like, oh, well, I, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal to be talking to this other person. So I didn't say anything. And it's like, well, if you didn't think it was a big deal (laughs) to be talking to this other person, why wouldn't you just share that? You know, what, where is the transparency? And I think we lose sight of transparency when we fall into a pit of our own shame, you know, when we really are feeling conflicted about what we're doing. And we, instead of reconciling with ourselves, like, okay, am I feeling conflicted about doing this because A, it's really not in alignment with my integrity, my morals, my highest good, however you want to look at that, or B, is this truly something that brings me joy that I want to take part in, but I'm worried that I'm going to be judged. I'm worried that someone else's reaction is going to be judgmental and my fear of abandonment kicks in. Thus, I want to withhold this because I want to be loved. But the tricky part about that is you never really feel that love because you're not in a place of trust. You're not trusting yourself to be transparent. You're not trusting the other people around you to love your most authentic self, which is the the version that is going to be honest about taking part in things that bring you joy. Um, And so, you know, this, this withholding creates detachment. It creates detachment within ourselves. It creates detachment amongst our relationships and you know, how do we navigate that? How do we first start to begin to trust ourselves? And I think it's a very challenging thing to do, especially if you've had trauma to trust yourself um, because there's all these like mixed messages of what's okay and what's not okay. Um, And so that in itself makes you sort of doubt your instinct, your intuition, right? You know, you hear this idea of like gut instinct and it's really such a scientific thing um, because we literally, we like grow from the gut, you know, like some of the first things to develop is your body's ability to receive nutrients from your mother. So you kind of grow gut brain first. And so science is really showing this more and more that we, our brain is like, the second brain to our gut. Our gut actually has, we make more of our serotonin in our gut. Um, Our gut has way more information coming to it first in this like very primal feeling energy realm before our logical brain catches up with it. We really do sense it in that, that gut brain, which is why our gut health is, is so incredibly important. So in those moments where you feel your gut is, is off. If you're like, Oh, something doesn't feel right. You know, do you start to doubt yourself because potentially somebody else is coming in and possibly even a gaslighting sort of way to tell you like, Oh no, that's not what it is. Um, and so that, that leads to this internal conflict of like, can I trust myself? And if we feel like we can't trust ourselves, then it makes it really hard to trust other people. Um, I know I've spent most of my life uh, being incredibly suspicious, you know, and, and assuming (laughs) that most people were lying to me, um, until they proved to me otherwise until they, you know, they, they did something and I would test people a lot. That's something else I realized, um, in the process of kind of sitting and reflecting on 
on the journey of lying and, and the lessons that came with it um, to see, you know, are you going to lie about this? Which I do not recommend, by the way, this is, that is not a, a healthy approach to creating trust within yourself or within relationships. Um, but it's just interesting to see the patterns, to just take that moment and kind of step back and witness and be like, okay, you know, how did we get here? And my uh, husband and I actually, how many years ago was that? I guess it was a, probably like three years ago. Um, we had an encounter. So I'm in an open marriage. Um, my husband, Marcin and I have uh, been in an open relationship since our relationship formed. We actually, we were both previously married to other people in the process of being married, decided to um, open up those relationships. And in both cases, the, it came revealed that, you know, open relationships were something that we wanted, but not something our partners wanted. Um, we get divorced years go by, we eventually meet each other and we're like, oh, great. Like, you know, this is what I've learned about myself and relationships. So seemingly you would think being in an open relationship would like alleviate any problems of like cheating per se, or like trust issues. Um, because you're free to, you know, do it, do what you want essentially. Um, obviously everyone has a different relationship dynamic with this, but in our case, you know, the idea was uh, autonomy, you know, that we have um, some level of hierarchy, you know, we prioritize time with each other, but ultimately, you know, your choices were your choices and transparency was like my key thing. And so it being the first time that um, he and I adventured into a relationship with somebody else and he being new to the idea of transparency, having in his previous relationship had to withhold so much because his ex-wife would get upset and triggered by things. Um, when he found himself really caring about this other person was withholding. And I, you know, that definitely like immediately turned on my, <laughs> my spidey senses, my radar of like something is off um, because secrecy and withholding in my brain was very much associated to something's going wrong. Something, you know, somebody is causing harm or creating danger. Um, and so when I would ask him, you know, like, well, what's going on? Like, kind of like, how's the relationship? Like, you know, how interested are you in her? Or like, um, it was very shallow. So it wasn't that he wasn't saying anything. He just was being very, very vague, <laughs> very, very surface. And, you know, we finally like worked through it and realized like that actually stemmed from his, his lessons in relationships. His parents were, um, they, they grew up very poor. Um, they lived in communist Poland and so they could never vacation together as a family. So what would happen was like, he would go away with his dad for a couple of weeks and they would travel. And then he would go away with his mom for a couple of weeks and they would travel. And, um, he told me this story about how one of the times he was on vacation with his dad, his dad was hanging out uh, with these other writers and there was a, a woman writer and that, you know, his dad had gone uh, to, to talk to the woman in his car was the story that his dad told him. And I was like, Oh my God, that is like such a load of crap. Like, you know, obviously your dad was like cheating on your mom. No one goes to like talk to somebody in their car. 
Um, unless there's like something, you know, fishy going on. And he realized that too. He's like, okay, that's, you know, that's where that seed of withholding got planted. And so to, to reconcile his own shame of thinking, well, one, I think, you know, a big part of this that we both unpacked was how much society tells us that, you know, your monogamy is kind of the default. And so you're in a monogamous relationship. If you're doing anything outside of said, you know, primary relationship, it's cheating. So even though we did have agreements to be open, there is still this like deeper ingrained idea that your mate is your mate and that partner is, is the one and only. And so for him, it was reconciling one, you know, that what he was doing was absolutely okay. As long as he was being clear and honest um, about how he was feeling and how the relationship was progressing and, and his own witness of his dad withholding um, again, under this idea that he was protecting his mother from being upset. Um, meanwhile, his mother had a similar situation when they would go on vacation, they went uh, on a cruise at one point, I think, um, because his mother meets the captain as he called him. Um, and uh, he tells this great story about how the captain taught him how to swim. And when he went home and told his dad that this man, the captain taught him how to swim, his dad was really upset by that. Um, that this idea that there was like this other man, you know, around his kid, teaching his kid something. And clearly there must've been something going on, you know, for the mother to have that close of a connection and for a man to like step in and, and be in this kind of like father-ish uh, role in his son's life. So, you know, I think if we all kind of sit and go back and kind of just take a moment, like, where did you learn to lie? Because it really isn't something we're born with. And, and that kind of goes back to the, the movie, like in the movie, the concept is lying doesn't exist. Um, so people are, are just blunt and direct. Like it's, it's very much like, you know, if the whole world was neurodivergent and, and kind of aired on the side of like Asperger's where it's just like, everyone just says exactly what they're thinking, no filters. Um, and so at one point somebody just tries to say something that isn't real and it works. And he's like, holy shit, I'm onto something. Like I can. I can say these things and people just roll with it because everyone assumes everyone's telling the truth because no one's ever lied before. It just didn't exist. Um, and so, yeah, you know, just thinking for a moment, like, where did you learn to lie? Like who taught you this idea that you couldn't be your authentic, true, transparent self without potentially upsetting someone else or getting judged? And so thus, you would have to alter what you're saying um, in order to protect these people and or yourself. And, you know, I, I get sometimes where we're, we're thinking we're being kind, right? And, and it kind of goes to, um, I, I don't even know who coined it, but this idea of, um, you know, before you say anything, you run it through the filters of, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Right. And truth can be such a subjective thing because what's true 
for me may not be true for someone else as far as like the stories and the filters we put on our truth. So, you know, kind of circling back to my husband and I, he felt like, well, I answered your question. I said, you know, her and I were hanging out or I said, uh, you know, whatever it was that they were doing. But I was like, oh, but to me, you weren't being transparent because you weren't telling me how deeply you were feeling for her or how, you know, how your feelings were changing or evolving. And that's really more of, you know, what I wanted to know when, you know, so he felt like he was being truthful, but my idea of what true transparency looked like was different than what he thought true transparency looked like. So then it becomes a matter of like, okay, how do we clarify? How do we really break down and define what we're talking about? Because often we're using words and we think we mean the exact same thing, but how one person defines something is different than how somebody else defines it. Um, and with clients, I use, you know, a lot of times the reference, the color blue. If I'm like the color blue, it's like how many shades of blue are there? You know, so what you think blue looks like is different than what somebody else thinks blue looks like, but we think we're talking about the same thing. So I think sometimes, you know, lying can be, simply a misunderstanding. It's not an intentional, malicious, withholding lie. Um, it's sometimes just a miscommunication that leads to a sense of distrust and needing to clarify and, and navigate how to be on the same page um, as to what we're referring to and what that really means to us and how that actually shows up. Like, what does that look like? So you know, going forward now I'm, you know, I'm clearer with my questions and he's more transparent with his answers as far as, you know, the world of feelings goes and not just what are the actions you're engaging with, with somebody else. Um, with my family, I think it's fascinating because again, being Catholic, there's this great loophole of, you can be a total piece of shit lying and sinning and doing whatever the fuck, you know, because, oh, Jesus died for your sins and you can just go and confess your sins and do some penance and poof, magically, voila, you know, all is forgiven. Your sins are washed away, but it doesn't really work because inside you really, at least for me anyway, um, don't feel reconciled. You know, it's, it's kind of like, if my behavior doesn't really mean anything because it can just be whoosh swept under the rug, if I'm willing to uh, confess and, and be punished, um, then, you know, where is this accountability to myself to really, again, kind of go back to my own internal instinct, my own feeling, my own um, awareness and authenticity to check in and say like, well, why am I doing this or why am I not doing this? Like what, you know, what is the basis for these choices? And I, I just think it's something that we're really not taught, you know, we're really not taught how to check in with ourselves and gauge why we are leaning in one way or another. So, you know, one of the simplest things someone can do um, to start practicing kind of trusting your own instinct and your own gauge of self is muscle testing. So you can do this in a number of ways. Um, some people do it with their thumb. They kind of like, you start by asking a base question, something really basic, you know, like, am I sitting on a chair? Um, 
And so if you're sitting on a chair, you know, and you tug on your thumb, there will be like no resistance. Um, if you ask yourself, you know, am I sitting on a chair and you're standing and you tug on your thumb, then there would be this resistance. There'd be, you know, this kind of lock in the body. Um, I do it more almost like a, my body's a pendulum. So, so for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, a pendulum is something kind of looks like a little point. Um, it's usually on some kind of like charm or string or something. It, um, it's a way also to kind of gauge, um, energetically. Cause if you're holding the string or chain, the little pointed crystal or charm or whatever it is will move based on kind of your own energy, you know, being the one holding it. So, so I do that kind of with my body. I, you know, I stand still, I get like a solid, like, okay, I'm grounded. I'm centered. I'm in this like calm centered space. And then I check in with myself and I'm like, okay, you know, I start, you know, with whatever base question, just kind of gauge like, okay, where's my yes. And my no. And so if my body moves forward, yes, moving towards something, and my body starts to lean back. It's like a no moving away from something. And if I'm kind of like whooshy in the middle and I'm kind of like mm, unsure, then I need to like sit and do some more work, whether that's journaling or having a conversation with somebody and just, you know, really pick apart like, well, why am I kind of indifferent about this? So, um, you know, you can certainly get an actual pendulum. They're you know easy to find on Amazon or something. Um, or start playing around with your body. And so this is a great way, you know, for anything like, um, I've been going back and forth with eating gluten and not eating gluten and eating sugar and not eating sugar and, you know, checking in with myself to say like, okay, do I want this? You know, is my body a yes to this or is my body not a yes to this? Is my body like, no, we really do not need to be eating this right now. And just really feeling into what am I leaning towards? And what am I leaning away from? And so I think, you know, when we get to more complex things, like, do I want to sleep with somebody else? Or, you know, I'm feeling feelings for someone. Do I, do I talk to my, you know, how do I talk to my partner about this? Or how do I even reconcile this with myself? Or, um, you know, these, these more entangled emotional relationship orientated things to just start to see like, what are you noticing? Is it something you're, you're really leaning towards or is it something you're leaning away from and why, you know, is it going back to that idea of like, are you leaning away from it? Cause genuinely it doesn't resonate with you or because you're told that you're not supposed to have it or you're not supposed to want it. Um, and I see that a lot with people who have fetishes and kinks, you know, one of their biggest challenges is just this idea that they are told it's wrong by the outside world and just being able to reconcile themselves, you know, with that shame of releasing any idea that the outside world's judgment has any effect on their own personal state of being, of being loved and accepted and worthy and enough and, you know, can you give yourself permission to enjoy this thing? Um, obviously, provided that it's consensual and causing no harm. And that acceptance within itself, I think, allows us to be transparent and honest. Um, 
And I've noticed in my life, you know, where the pendulum has swung the other way. Now I am neurodivergent and I do, um, I think, I think in general women who are neurodivergent, um, and studies have shown this more and more that most women go undiagnosed with autism and Asperger's because we're amazing mimics. And so we've learned to mimic what normal people behave like and do, um, and that, and that is, you know, how we've passed, so to speak. And I will actually circle back around to this thought in just a moment. We are going to get ready to take a break here. So uh, we will come back to more about lying <laughs> and the, uh, the embodiment of truth. I'm Christiane Bella, and you're listening to Unbuckled. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Think about how much sound you hear all the time. Noise, music, your own heartbeat. What is it made of? How does it work? How does it affect you? The universe of music takes you into the particles of life and the beat of living. It is an interactive online masterclass of music and science taught by the internationally renowned musician and scholar, Dr. Marcin Bella. Visit theuniverseofmusic.com. That's theuniverseofmusic.com. listening to Unbuckled with Christy Ann Bella. Reach out to Christy Ann with any questions or comments at intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. That's intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christy Ann welcomes your emails. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back. You are listening to Unbuckled with Intimacy Architect, me, Christy Ann Bella. Hello. Hello. So we are talking about lying, uh, trusting ourselves and our own intuition and instinct and our authentic relationship. And, um, and right before the break, I was talking about neurodivergence and how women typically go undiagnosed with, um, with any kind of like, um, autism or Asperger's because we're such great mimics. And so we learn how to pass in, in a normal world. Um, which is why, you know, for me, it was interesting when I kind of realized how my brain works and, you know, this, this transparency, um, that I personally think is really great. And I think more and more people are coming around to this idea of, of transparency, but again, it's, it's, you know, it's this delicate dance, right. Of, you know, is it kind, is it true? Is it necessary? And is it necessary I mean, I think that's, that's a tricky one Um, because I feel like, is it kind is pretty obvious. Like, I I think, you know, you can easily gauge, like, is this kind is what, you know, is the tone of my voice is the, the words that I'm using. um, There's a way to say things, you know, and we, we can tell, I think most clearly whether or not we're being kind, is it necessary is an interesting one. Cause when I was thinking about lying and thinking about this idea of making amends, um, which is a really big thing for anyone who's ever been in any kind of like rehab 12 step 
program, like a big piece of that is you go and you make this inventory of all the things, you know, you've ever lied about or ever done. And you go through and you're supposed to make amends when it will not cause harm to someone else. So it's kind of like this idea of, is it necessary? And I think that is somewhat subjective because what one person might think, well, like that, that is like a necessary piece of information. Like I want to know someone else might be like, I do not want to know. Um, and so then it becomes this game of, you know, consent to have that conversation, but the mere asking for consent to have a conversation about disclosing something that you've been dishonest about creates, uh, for those of you who watch Big Bang Theory, the whole like Schrodinger's cat idea, right? Is like, you know, so now I know there is this secret or this lie or this indiscrepancy that occurred. Do I want to know what it is or not? But it exists. Like, I know it exists, just like, you know, in the premise that the cat is in the box, could be alive, it could be dead. Like, I, I don't know how bad this could be. <laughs> is it something I, you know, I'm better off not knowing, or is it something that is, is vital for me to know? Um, and I think that's, you know, where, how do we handle delicately the inquiring for consent? I would say, you know, when you are, if at some point you decide, uh, to go through and kind of clear your own energetic field of things that you've maybe didn't been deceitful about, or you feel like things are weighing on you to first, first off, I have to say it is very therapeutic to go through. Um, while I don't necessarily believe in the whole like Catholic dogma idea of confession, I think the idea of keeping your own side of the street clean is very helpful to just really sit with yourself and be like, okay, here's the places where I was withholding. Um, because that self-reflection is going to ultimately help you to have a better relationship with yourself because you're going to see the areas in which you feel like you are judging yourself or you're being judged and that's keeping you from living your most authentic life. And then you need to determine, you know, is, is living my most authentic life worth potentially sacrificing some relationships that may not be in alignment for me if I was being my most transparent self. So if you go through and you clean up old stuff and that's maybe weighing on you and you, you know, you make your list, um, you don't have to disclose it to anybody else. You know, you can certainly just do that for yourself and then burn it or whatever you want to do with it. But if you decide to go forth and make amends, then, you know, phase one is just even see, like just checking in before you even ask for consent to share anything like, where is this person at? You know, if, if I call somebody up to make amends and they're telling me that, you know, their kid is screaming or their dog is sick or something's going on, then they probably don't have the bandwidth right now to handle whatever it is I, you know, I want to share with them. So definitely gauging like, you know, where is this person? Um, I, you know, I'm personally not a fan of doing these things in public. I don't think that's appropriate. You know, I know some people lean that way because they think people are less likely to make a scene or get upset if you're like at a public restaurant or something. But I think that's kind of an unfair situation to put people in um, to not be able to have their own authentic reaction to whatever that might be. 
because you're in a public space and you would feel like, you know, it would be inappropriate to scream or cry or whatever your, your response might be. Um, but, you know, sandwiching, obviously asking first, you know, first is, is someone in a place to hear this? Um, do they want to know this, you know, because just because you want to clear your conscience does not mean that they want to hear it. So, you know, checking in to really get that consent and then creating a container to say like, look, I have something I need to share. Can you just give me five minutes to, to let it all out? And then maybe let's take a few deep breaths before you respond. Um, if you feel like it's going to be a very heightened response, you know, to, to set that boundary, like I have a very hard boundary that, you know, I do not allow anyone to yell at me, nor do I uh, yell at anybody else. If I feel upset and I notice that the tone of my voice is shifting to a place that would be inappropriate, um, or like too loud for a library, <laughs> you know, then I'm like, okay, I need to take a few minutes because I'm obviously too agitated right now to really, communicate in a way that's healthy and productive. So, you know, can we like bookmark this for a second? Let me like take a walk. Let me take a few deep breaths. And then I can come back and have a conversation with you. Sometimes I need to sit and journal to get out all the pissed off things in my brain and all the little like, you know, gremlins in my head that are cursing and yelling. So then I could actually get to the place of like, okay, what is it that, you know, I really want to say. Um, but, you know, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why people, do lie and it, it ends up typically biting them in the ass um, is because we're worried about the reaction. And so somehow it's like, it's like a bad layaway system. It's like, you think like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to lie about it sooner or later. You're going to have to pay it off. Like, like, you know, if like, if you're like, Oh, I want to, you know, get this thing, I'm going to put it on layaway. I'm going to like, like, yeah, you may not have to deal with it right now. Like you don't have to pay for it right now, but like if you eventually want to have that thing or any kind of relationship, like you're going to have to pay it off. You're going to eventually have to come around to own that part, or you're always going to be in this place of being disassociated partially from yourself and thus from that relationship, leading you to be in a situation where you never really feel loved. And that's what I realized with my family was like, wow, we have never trusted each other because I've seen them lie to other people. They taught me how to lie. You know, I, I lied to them. Um, and so without trust, you never really have that authentic, unconditional, divine, like pure love, you know? And, and so like my husband and I were talking about this this morning over breakfast, I was like, you are probably the only person I've never lied to. Cause I lied to my ex-husband all the time. And, um, and before I, you know, knew that ethical non-monogamy and um, polyamory was, was a relationship option and, and like a structured dynamic I could explore. I cheated on everybody I, I dated. Um, so it's interesting to be in a relationship with such transparency because I feel more loved than I've ever felt. And I love myself more than I've ever loved myself because there's no part of me that I'm worried is unlovable because I've reconciled with me in my own personal relationship. And I show up complete, you know, I show up being willing to be fully seen and fully heard um, and trust that me being my most authentic self 
is either going to be or not going to be in alignment with someone else. And if it's not in alignment, that's okay. It does not change my inherent worth or value as a person. It just means that that is not the relationship connection for me. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with either of us. And I'm going to pause and take a sip of water here. (laughs) So this idea that really the first relationship is, is you, you know, that's, that's your first and foremost, most important relationship is, is the one with yourself. And so learning to trust yourself, um, to gauge in, you know, to sit and really just sitting in, in moments of stillness. I think in our society, we are very pressured to make decisions on the fly really quick, have answers immediately upon being asked a question. And I encourage you to break those patterns and habits and don't feel like anyone has any entitlement or obligation to have an answer right away that you really do need to give yourself a moment, you know, at minimum, like a good three deep breaths to kind of sit and say like, okay, do I want to have this lunch or take this job or do this project or stay late after work or uh, go out with this, you know, whatever it is to not feel like I have to immediately know the answer and to allow yourself to kind of sit and check in and start to gauge where is your yes and your no. And, you know, if you're in that in-between state, why And if you are a no and it's not sitting with you well, and you feel like, I mean, I want to say no to this, but like, you know, I feel like I should, I think that's the difference, right? Is that moment when you're like, I feel like I should say no to this, but you don't really want to is where you really need to check in and be like, you know, what about this is a story that's actually mine versus a story or belief that was given to me. You know, I had to deconstruct a lot of stories and beliefs um, because of my religious upbringing, because of my family dynamic, you know, this idea uh, (laughs) that, yeah, I mean, sexuality in general, um, the spiritual side of sexuality, I mean, so much had to be deconstructed because these stories and ideas and, and beliefs were not mine. You know, they were given to me, they were taught to me, they were showed to me. And so I adopted them and I incorporated them because I wanted to be accepted and feel like I was loved, but that love never really resonated because it just wasn't really loving me. It was loving this version of me that I had created this like false sense of self and persona. And so that's where, you know, we lie to ourselves before we lie to anybody else. And so the more honest you can be with yourself about what truly brings you joy and following your desires in a way that's healthy, you know, that's again, that's a consensual, um, doing no harm path, that that is really the key to having fulfilling relationships where you can be honest and transparent because you really trust yourself, that you're making choices that are genuine to your own personal compass. And you'll align with other people who vibrate in that same way, who who also are trusting themselves and acting in a way that's in their own integrity. So um, 
something I want to start doing in our new season here is to give you some things to actually do, right? Because I think, you know, talking about this stuff is all well and good and, and conversations are vital to our critical thinking and how we examine the world and, and how we learn about ourselves. But ultimately, what we know about the brain is that, you know, you can't think your way out of the same problem you created with your thoughts. So a big part of my work um, with intimacy architecture is somatic is, you know, is getting in the body is using tools like meditation, yoga, breathing, movement to get into the other parts of our brain and really kind of activate and adjust and create new neuropathways by um, creating these deeper relationships with your nervous system and, and actually creating an activity. So obviously if you're driving while you're listening to this, this is not the time to try to do this exercise, go back, you know, you could fast forward to the end of this and just do the exercise part if you want. Um, but if you're somewhere where you can sit comfortably and close your eyes, then I'm going to walk you through a great exercise to help you release some of the haunting thoughts that you might have guilt and shame and stuff over parts of your own life where you've been withholding. And it's very similar if anyone's ever done EMDR, which is like eye movement therapy. It's kind of like EMDR you do on yourself. So you'll close your eyes And with your eyes closed, you're going to move the eyes. And so what you do is you close the eyes and then you're going to start going counterclockwise. So you start by looking up with the eyes closed. You'll move the eyes upward and then you'll move the eyes to the right. And then you'll move the eyes down and then you'll move the eyes to the left. And so as you're doing this, you want to kind of sync it with the breath. So you'll inhale, look up. Exhale, the eyes rest. Inhale, look right. Exhale, the eyes rest. Inhale, look down. Exhale, the eyes rest. Inhale, look left. Exhale, the eyes rest. And you keep going in that reverse circle, counterclockwise. And then if you really want to add to this, because everyone has different levels. So just moving the eyes is great. If you can move the eyes and sink the breath, awesome. If you're someone like me who my brain is still doing 10 other things, so I need more stuff to keep it on track, then you give yourself a a sound, a mantra. Um, And so this one is perfect because it means I am truth. It's Sanskrit and it's sa, ta, na, ma. So sa, S-A, ta, T-A, na, N-A, ma, M-A, sa, ta, na, ma means I am truth. And so you sync the movement of the eye, the breath and the sound. So inhale up, sa, exhale, center, inhale to the right, ta, exhale, center, inhale down, na, exhale, center, inhale to the left, ma, exhale, center. So you're moving the eyes, sa, ta, na, ma. And so as you're doing this, you're clearing the mind of haunting thoughts. And so do, you know, anywhere from like 30 seconds or so, you know, you could go up to like three minutes of this moving counterclockwise, right? And feeling yourself clearing the haunting thoughts. And then you're going to pause, let the eyes rest, maybe even take your hands, kind of massage around your temples, around your cheekbones, 
And then you're going to do the same thing, but now you're going to move clockwise. So now you're going to really start to reset the brain into a way of tuning in to your own sense of self, honesty, authenticity, to really resonate with your truth and letting your thoughts be clear and being really in that essence of your own true self mentally and emotionally. And so you'll do the same thing. You'll look up as you go, saw, let the eyes settle. Then you'll go to the left, ta, let the eyes settle at center. And then to na, as you look down and then over to the right, ma. So sa, ta, na, ma, I am truth. And the eyes move in that four point direction going in a circular clockwise motion. And again, you can do that for you know 30 seconds to, to three minutes and then just allowing yourself to rest. So if you really, if something's really bothering you, this is a great one. Like if you're like been ruminating and playing, you know, that same thing over and over and over again in your head of what you think you did wrong or what you think somebody else did to you. Um, this is a good one to do, to clear the thoughts and get into that essence of, of true self. So I highly recommend that. I highly recommend, especially if you are going to do any kind of written um, inventory of yourself, this is a good thing to do before and after to just kind of like wash the brain as you're clearing things out. So Yes, I'm all about giving you takeaways. I think it's really important that we get beyond just the the conversation and really start to get into the practice of how do we shift this? How do we shift the way we feel and actually get into the neurology of the brain and how it works to start to create a new neuropathway that is honest and transparent with yourself? So that you can have the most authentic relationship possible with you, trusting and loving who you are as you are, and then be able to go forth and create these healthier relationships with people around you. So if you're on the flip side of all this and you feel like maybe somebody has been dishonest with you, you know, very similar, I would say, you know, go out, reach out, make sure they're in a good headspace to have this conversation and then ask for consent to say like, you know, there's some things I'd like to talk to you about. And I want to create a container where you feel safe to be your most authentic self. And that doesn't mean that there, you know, might not be consequences and boundaries to say like, okay, if you tell me you've cheated on me, you know, I may have to reevaluate whether or not I'm staying in this relationship, but that we all have a right to have the best understanding of what is happening, not only with ourselves, but with the people that we're engaging with. So we have just a couple more minutes left till we wrap up here. Um, so yeah, so one more time, you know, technique is, um, is eye movement. It's, um, it's like kind of a self EMDR and you'll move the eyes counterclockwise, looking up to the right down and to the left. And you can add to that the mantra sa, ta, na, ma. And after a few rounds of counterclockwise, you'll do a clockwise. Same thing. Sata, na, ma translates to I am truth. And 
to just really practice being with yourself, you know, come back to that feeling, feel what it feels like to be in a neutral place and just begin to notice, you know, with the simplest of things, where are you leaning towards something or away from something? And if you feel like you want to lean into something and there's something else holding you back, you know, is that story yours? And if it's not, are you willing to let it go? Because I have to say, at least for me personally, there is nothing more valuable than getting to be my most authentic, transparent self. It has made my relationships and my love life a gazillion times better. I mean, it's absolutely a priceless state to live in, to feel like I have absolutely nothing to hide. So I really encourage you to to go in and kind of take stock and do a, a personal inventory and see where are you hiding from yourself and why, you know, and can you learn to love and connect back to those pieces of you and be willing to share them, you know, and obviously there, you know, there's appropriate times and places to, to share who you are. Um, you know, I'm a, a kinky person. I don't necessarily go into Kroger or my grocery store and like start you know, like chatting people up in the, you know, vegetable aisle about how I like to like flog someone. Um, but, but there are times and places where that is an appropriate conversation. And, you know, my willingness to be authentic will just allow me to align more with the people who are a hell yes. And that's really, you know, those are the best relationships when you are with people who are in alignment um, and find joy in the things that you find joy in. So we are just getting ready to wrap up here. Um, it has been an absolute delight. I've, I've missed this so much. I'm so happy to be back and, and recording these episodes and sharing this information with you. I am Christiane Bella, Intimacy Architect, and you are listening to Unbuckled. Thank you so much for being here. Bright blessings, everyone. Thank you for listening to Unbuckled. You can join Christiane Bella for another program with amazing guests, stories, and advice every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to check out our new show coming soon. 